America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Another great day, another great week. A week in which big primaries are looming tomorrow. A very contested primary in Alabama, which should get more attention than it does. Three very formidable candidates. And uh, one candidate who was endorsed by President Trump, that would be Mo Brooks, the congressman from Alabama, who was very much part of the January 6th insurrection. He spoke at the rally along with President Trump, uh, getting people excited right before they went to the Capitol building. President Trump de-endorsed him. And this is the only time, and I believe this has happened this cycle, where Trump endorsed Mo Brooks, and then Mo Brooks said that... Uh, it was time to recognize that Biden was the legally elected president. And after that, President Trump uh, de-endorsed him, said he couldn't endorse him anymore, said uh, Mo Brooks had become the w a woke candidate. Now, Mo Brooks is one of the most conservative, outspoken conservative members of Congress. And in fact, he's one of those people who has been subpoenaed and they've been trying to come after to talk about January 6th. And now... He's made a huge comeback after President Trump de-endorsed him. He flopped down to a voting margin of below 20. And now he's back up in, in what looks to be a three-way tie. It's similar to Pennsylvania in that regard. And by the way, Pennsylvania going to a recount between McCormick and uh, Mehmet Oz, uh, just as people expected. I mean, if you look at where the ballots are from, and the way that uh, McCormick has performed in the previous mail-in ballots, it looks like, though it's too early to say, it looks like McCormick may ga gain some votes, but probably not enough to win the nomination. So that means that is an Oz-Fetterman race. Another crucial race that is going to be taking place is the race for the uh, Senate seat from Georgia between Senator Raphael Warnock, the Democrat who won last time in a kind of a surprise in that uh, runoff election after the regular election, uh, where President Trump wasn't particularly helpful to the candidates running, uh, Kelly Leffler and David Perdue. Now David Perdue is back with a Trump endorsement. He is running against Brian Kemp, the, uh, the governor of Georgia. And what's astonishing here is Brian Kemp has been Trump's number one target. And Trump's number one backer during his four years as president was a guy named Mike Pence, vice president of the United States, uh, considered to have presidential ambitions of his own. Well, now he is not supporting the very strongly supported Trump candidate, which is David Perdue. Mike Pence is going to be at a big rally with uh, Brian Kemp, the incumbent governor who is ahead in the polls right now by more than two to one. If uh, he wins with anything like that margin, it has to be a message to the Republican Party. Speaking of messages to the Republican Party, there is a big new poll about how you would label the Republican Party and how you would label the Democratic Party. What are the first words that come to mind? And I know there's a controversy surrounding a pastor 
named uh, Bill Bolin, who uh, <laughs> labels the Democratic Party as demonic. I I'm looking for something, well, maybe a, a little bit uh, more speaking for a broader public than demonic. 1-800-955-1776. How would you label either party in this time of division and polarization? Uh, the results of this poll are terrible news for Democrats. And it's just terrible news for Democrats. But they're also very bad news for Republicans. It sounds like Americans have a kind of queasy, distasteful feeling toward both major parties. We'll get into that. It's particularly alarming concerning racial divisions. And uh, we will get into that. 1-800-955-1776. What would be your word for describing the Democratic Party and describing the Republican Party? This on the eve of uh, yet uh, another very big, very significant, uh, very well-publicized very well publicized poll and uh, preceding this primary in Georgia. Also primaries in Texas, which is being viewed as a last stand, as they call it, for the Bush family because uh, they uh, have uh, young uh, George P. Bush, that's George Prescott Bush, who was Jeb Bush's son. Uh, of course, the nephew of President George W. Bush, the grandson of President George Herbert Walker Bush. He is running for attorney general in Texas and running in the Republican primary uh, in a runoff against uh, the current Ken Paxton, the current incumbent attorney general in Texas, who has a bunch of federal indictments against him. And uh, we will see what happens with that. Uh, Mitt Romney has a powerful piece about uh, new Putin's nukes. And uh, also, we have uh, just in the uh, last 24 hours, a uh, foreign policy news of a very big, maybe even very fateful nature. And Joe Biden seems to have changed U.S. policy, but he may not have even thought about it. It may have been just something that he came up with off the cuff. Uh, let's play that for just a moment because they've had to clarify it since. Um, actually, we'll go to that in a moment. Let me go to uh, Kevin in Ballard, Washington. Uh, your word for Republicans. I would say ethno-fascist, considering what happened at CPAC this weekend. Uh, what, which part do you mean about CPAC in particular? I mean, I know that it was the CPAC was in Budapest, which is if you're if you're uh, ethno-fascist and a nationalist, it's kind of strange to hold your your big rally in Hungary. What happened that you're referring to? Well, I mean, aside from having Viktor Orban on the stage with Republicans, who's clearly um, heading towards a dictatorship, and then this anti-semi-racist TV announcer from Hungary and God knows who else. I see, I don't know about the TV announcer from Hungary, but I don't know about Viktor Orban. It's very peculiar to have him there. And he wasn't just on the platform. He was the keynote speaker. He was welcoming everybody to Budapest. 
Why did Hunt, uh, Tucker Carlson uh, broadcast his show for a week from Budapest? Answer, money talks, nobody walks. Uh, Victor Orban, who is uh, corrupt and radical, and by the way, the most pro-Putin leader of any NATO nation. Yes, Hungary is a NATO nation. And the idea that they want to align themselves with Orban, I think ethno-fascist, first of all, that may count as two words. <laughs> and I don't think that's appropriate. And that did not make any of the top words used to describe publicans, uh, Republicans. We will get to that. We will get to President Biden's perhaps fateful offhand uh, comment about uh, Taiwan. Uh, by the way, it's, it's a Hungarian journalist who called Jews stinking excrement addresses CPAC conference. I'm so glad I didn't go. Uh, Zolt Bayer, who has a history of anti-Semitic and racist comments among speakers at the event held by U.S. conservative group in Budapest that included speeches from Trump, I, by, I believe that was um, by video or Zoom, and Tucker Carlson. Uh, Tucker, no stranger to Budapest. Uh, we will be right back with more on Biden and Taiwan and words for Republicans and Democrats coming up. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. That's what... Michael Medved show. Uh, the reference that was made before, we had a caller from Ballard, Washington, who uh, looking for words to describe the Republican Party. The most common word, at least according to the CBS News poll, was extreme. And then second was hateful. Those are not great words. Uh, third was strong. The uh, words describing the Democratic Party. Number one word, weak. Number two word, extreme. Uh, being weak and extreme. Number three word for Democrats, in touch. Uh, these are two troubled parties. And speaking of two troubled parties, look, CPAC is not officially a partisan organization. It's very, very Republican. They're uh, only occasionally... They will have conservatives who are independents or sometimes involved with third parties, but it's basically a Republican organization. And uh, the, uh, the headline here is uh, from The Guardian, uh, and, uh, and again, it, it, it's uh, uh, verifiable. They, uh, they say that a Hungarian journalist who called Jews stinking excrement addresses CPAC conference. I have no idea what Zolt Bayer spoke to and said about the CPAC conference. He has a history of anti-Semitic and racist comments among speakers uh, at an event held by U.S. conservative group in Budapest that included speeches from Trump and Tucker Carlson. And it describes him, it says, a Hungarian journalist known for making anti-Semitic and racist comments was a featured speaker at a Friday gathering in the Hungarian capital uh, Budapest of a prominent conservatives from the United States, Europe, and elsewhere. 
Uh, Marine Le Pen, the extreme right-wing losing candidate uh, in the recent French election, also has been featured at CPAC and other people from abroad. Nigel Farage has been a regular there. He was uh, one of the, uh, not a, a British conservative, but a member of what was called the UKIP party, which was an anti-European Union uh, pro-Brexit party, uh, United Kingdom Independence Party, UKIP. Uh, in any event, Zolt Bayer, according to The Guardian, has called Jews stinking excrement. He's referred to Roma, that's what used to be called gypsies, as animals, and uh, used a familiar racial epithet to describe black people. He took the stage on the second day of the American Political Conservative Political Action Conference, or CPAC, as it was held in Europe for the first time. By the way, one of the CPACs that I went to and I believe, I'm almost sure, this was a CPAC in 2012. And they always do a straw vote in these uh, CPAC meetings. And Ron Paul won a lot of straw votes at CPAC because he had a lot of young supporters there. This is not Rand Paul. It's his father, Ron Paul. And uh, I, I was very happy to see in 2012 breaking that skin that run for Ron Paul, Mitt Romney, uh, who was there and spoke to the group. And he won, and apparently won fairly handily, their endorsement for president. And I, I got to tell you, uh, Mitt Romney, who has been an opponent of discrimination and, and race-based or certainly religious-based hatred of any kind for a very long time, is a far cry from... Uh, this Hungarian anti-Semite, and and in Hungary, it's uh, it's a particularly particularly unpleasant kind of series of associations, because Hungary has constantly bat battled anti-Semitism since well before the war and well before the Holocaust, and because Hungary was only basically occupied, they had the opportunity for many Hungarian Jews to try to escape, but instead there was a great deal of collaboration uh, between Hungarians and Nazis uh, to, uh, uh, to, to see to mass extermination. Uh, there are many other Hungarian Jews who were basically driven out of the country, left the country at the time of the Hungarian Revolution, the failed Hungarian Revolution in 1956. In any event, uh, President Biden, and uh, by the way, if you want a single word describing the Democrats or a single word describing the Republicans, 1-800-955-1776. President Biden was asked a straightforward question by a reporter while he's touring Asia. And important question, what about if China attacked Taiwan? Now, President Biden gave a straightforward, direct, unequivocal answer. The only problem was that has not been U.S. policy. Uh, this is uh, President Biden, clip 14A. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are? That's the commitment we made. We agree with a one-China policy. We signed on to it and all the attendant agreements made from there. But the idea that that it could be taken by force 
that's taken by force is just not is just not appropriate. It'll dislocate the entire region. Okay, look, obviously that's true, but the U.S. policy has been, well, it's been frankly something of a mess, and this goes all the way back to President Obama, uh, where, yes, we want to be supportive of Taiwan. It's a very important ally of ours. Taiwan is a very important country economically in terms of manufacturing computer chips and other things that are instrumental to the U.S. economy. Uh, The Secretary of Defense, General Lloyd Austin, uh, was asked to clarify the president's comments, which are not at all clear. And maybe this makes it a little bit better. This is Secretary of Defense Austin. Listen. One China policy has not changed. Uh, he uh, reiterated that policy in our commitment to peace and stability across, uh, across the Taiwan Strait. Uh, he also... Uh, Uh, highlighted our commitment under the Taiwan Relations Act uh, to help uh, provide Taiwan uh, the means to defend itself. So again, our policy has not changed. Okay, Uh, our policy has not changed. And President Biden did uh, refer to the One China policy. The One China policy doesn't mean Taiwan. We used to have a One China policy that meant Taiwan. Nixon changed that when he recognized for the first time uh, Red China, Communist China, and the United States was involved in a very successful gambit in foreign policy orchestrated by Nobel Peace Prize winner Henry Kissinger, and that was a gambit to basically separate the two communist superpowers, Russia and China. Now that is something that the United States would hope to do right now regarding Ukraine. And regarding Ukraine, a uh, statement that maybe indicates a potential negotiated settlement. Statement from where? From Volodymyr Zelensky. We will get to that and more coming up on The Medved Show. We will work together and continue to work together. On The Michael Medved Show. Integrity, integrity, integrity. This is The Michael Medved Show. Well, that uh, little soundbite from uh, John Kerry from uh, some years ago, uh, which I will admit was not actually referring to me. I'd like to think it should be. Uh, But um, nobody would use that term right now to refer to Madison Cawthorn. But I think the Democrats are making another mistake in an attempt to make the rubble bounce. Madison Cawthorn is yesterday's news. I mean, really, he is yesterday's news. Is he embarrassing to Republicans? He's super embarrassing to Republicans. Has he always been embarrassing to Republicans? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, he's the guy who called Zelensky a thug and said that uh, the Ukrainian government, which is fighting for its liberty with USAID, the Ukrainian government was incredibly evil. Well, he's had a a great deal of trouble, uh, videotapes released, all kinds of ethical problems. I mean, probably just as bad as Matt Gaetz, but in that same category, who's also being investigated by the Ethics Committee. The House Ethics Committee launched a probe today uh, into embattled Madison Cawthorn, Republican, North Carolina. This is from The Hill. 
to determine whether he improperly promoted a cryptocurrency without disclosing he had a financial interest in it and whether he had an improper relationship with a staff member employed in his congressional office. And, of course, there's widely seen uh, videotape of that relationship in fairly intimate terms with the male staff member. The announcement of the probe came on Monday. That's today, after the committee voted to establish an investigative subcommittee on May 11th. The committee noted that establishment of an investigative subcommittee does not mean that a violation has necessarily occurred. Okay, the reason all of this is not such a great thing, look, it's never a great thing to see a a U.S. congressman, particularly a Republican conservative U.S. congressman, who's just utterly disgraced and, and trashed and uh, embarrassed. They, they they say here in the article on the Hill, uh, a video included in the ethics complaint first reported by the Daily Mail showed Cawthorn in the uh, 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 in the ethics complaint showed Cawthorn with his scheduler in a car speaking about suggestive topics in an exaggerated accent, and his scheduler reaching into Cawthorn's crotch. That, that, that Cawthorn's crotch sounded like it would be the title of something, uh, not not a place name necessarily. A- another video was released by the anti-Cawthorn pack the following week that showed Cawthorn nude engaging in more suggestive behavior in a bed with another individual. Cawthorn at the time said that he was being crass with a friend trying to be funny and that it was filmed years ago. Uh, he's 26 years old. And... The the one thing that happens here, he, of course, is denying everything and is attacking the Ethics Committee for investigating him. Another investigation by the House Ethics Committee, I think it's going to generate some pity for Madison Cawthorn. And that's a pity. And that's inappropriate. The uh, By the way, the name of the cryptocurrency that he... Uh, violated allegedly insider trading laws by promoting was called Let's Go Brandon. Uh, the He's not being punished for supporting Let's Go Brandon. And in fact, he's already had the ultimate pro- uh, punishment. He was voted out of Congress. He lost the Republican primary. His uh, seat in Congress will be uh, replaced and will be occupied by a far more worthy guy, a, a state senator named Edwards, is a very conservative record and is a very solid guy and will probably be a useful addition to Congress and a big relief to Kevin McCarthy and the other leaders of the Republican side on Congress. But here, for people to go forward, this is part of the problem with the January 6th investigation as well. Right now, we have a general problem in American politics, it seems to me, which is people just won't let go of attempts to destroy the other side in some kind of scandal. And it happens to Republicans. It happens to Democrats. And I I think people have a limited appetite for it. Uh, Where there's serious issues, are there serious issues regarding January 6th? Yeah, but... Honest to goodness, they should have moved far more quickly and decisively to resolving them, to letting it be known what they have found in these investigations, but dragging it on and on and on, and uh, all kinds of new attention toward 
the um, Hunter Biden laptop. It's the same kind of thing. This is not going to make life better for average Americans. And I think one of the reasons that the parties, and this gets us back to this poll we were talking about, how the uh, parties are rated by the American people. They're rated horribly, both of them. The uh, Republicans uh, rated by uh, as extreme, hateful, strong, weak. 46% think the Republican Party is strong. 41% think it's weak. 37% think it's caring. And for the Democratic Party, uh, 51%, a majority, think it's weak. Uh, 39% think it's in touch. 38% think it's strong, not weak. And 36% think it's effective. What it shows is that with this kind of rating, you, you have a situation where both parties are so terribly flawed and there's so much cynicism about both of them. Uh, among uh, Democrats, they want Democratic nominees to focus on what? Dealing with inflation is number, no, number one. 89% say that. Republicans, what do they want their nominees to focus on? Dealing with inflation, 90%. Now, this is unusual situation. Does anybody have any idea what they should do about inflation? I think Republicans, though this is not a subject of the poll, most Republicans who come up with control spending. You just can't keep spending like that because it's going to make the money worth less, not worthless, but worth less, and that's going to promote inflation. What do the Democrats think they want their candidates to, to do about inflation? The uh, second priority for Democrats uh, is taxing the wealthy. How is that going to help America's economic woes. How is that going to help the stock market, for instance? I had a stock market, was, last I checked, was doing better today, and that's a good thing. And then uh, number three, the Democrats uh, want their nominees to talk about racial justice. We haven't talked about racial justice enough? Democrats think not. Okay, the, um, the Republicans want number one, dealing with inflation, that's 90%. Stopping illegal immigration, that's 89%. The, uh, the idea that anyone with a border like we have and where a situation where most of the illegal immigrants are not people who are sneaking across the border, they haven't been for a long time, they're people who come to the country legally and overstay their visas, they overstay their welcome. And it is not so easy once somebody has been here for a while, maybe even gone to college and uh, gone to college in this country and they decide they want to stay, but they've overstayed their welcome and they don't apply for a new visa and they don't apply for a green card. And the entire immigration system is a nightmare and a mess. But stopping illegal immigration is the second priority and the third priority, 86% of Republicans want their nominees to talk about traditional values. One of the reasons that <laughs> Madison Cawthorn might not be your guy. But if talking about traditional values is what you want, why do we have candidates like we do on both sides? 
uh, 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. More on what Zelensky said about ending the war. I just wanted to call and throw my two cents in. The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved. You are such a riot. And uh, before there are any riots uh, by American people who are very enthusiastic, some American people, about uh, maintaining Roe v. Wade as it's uh, been understood for the last 50 years. Well, before that happens, I think it's important that people wait to see what it is that the Supreme Court really decides. I think it's almost certain that they are going to decide to maintain and defend the Mississippi law, which restricts abortion to the first 15 weeks of gestation of a pregnancy. And after 15 weeks, uh, there would be no right to abortion. But this whole question about what the Supreme Court will decide, uh, Juan Williams, and this is based, he says, on conversation with people who are close court watchers, Everyone is assuming that the text of the uh, leak is going to be the final decision of the court. And Juan Williams believes that it won't be and shouldn't be. So what does that mean? We'll be speaking about that with uh, Juan Williams coming up on the Medved Show. I, uh, I mentioned that uh, President Zelensky... Uh, was speaking today. I mean, it's it's been remarkable. There's a very moving uh, speech with President Duda of Poland, who was speaking before the Ukrainian parliament. The Ukrainian parliament has just one house. It's a unicameral legislature. And uh, he was interrupted frequently for applause. And I mean, he said, obviously, the, the right thing that his Ukrainian allies want to hear. Uh, Poland's generosity and commitment to their Ukrainian neighbors has been extraordinary. And the welcoming of people estimate now more than 5 million desperate refugees who have been welcomed in, into Poland, welcomed into some people's homes. It's all very moving. And today, Zelensky was speaking by video conference call with the gathered world economic leaders at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. And that, of course, a uh, <laughs> it would be great. I mean, you know, you, you, better than going to, uh, uh, to Budapest for uh, CPAC, I don't know. Davos looks like it might be pretty interesting. I have never been there, of course. But uh, the uh, Ukrainian president... Zelensky was there via video conference today, and he had an idea of what should happen to uh, some Russian assets that are involved with or held by some of the Davos participants. Uh, here's President Zelensky, 20A. Russian assets should be found and frozen and confiscated and then given to the special fund for compensation for the people who suffered in this. 
and Russia then will not have any more motivation to act the way they are acting now. When the aggressor loses everything they have, it prevents them from repeating what, from doing that next time. Uh, something must be done, and I think this Zelensky has been very clear on. Actually, President Biden has been fairly clear on it. The goal of U.S. policy must be that this shouldn't happen again. It's not that one side wins or one side loses, though it really has become an effect that, that Ukraine must win because they must have the right to defend and sustain and maintain their own independent national existence. But that the most important thing here is that uh, Russia, which has nothing going for it at all except a lot of nuclear weapons, uh, that, uh, that Russia should not be allowed to do this to another country, to allow to do this again to Ukraine, God forbid, or anywhere else. Because the, the details of the brutality, there was a piece today, great piece of reporting in great detail about what the massacre in Bucha really was about. And the extraordinary cruelty and bloodthirstiness of the Russian occupiers. Again, the important thing is never again and meaning it and enforcing it. And this does not mean uh, taking a position like the uh, prime minister of uh, Italy who recently spoke out and said that the world must fo force Zelensky to come to terms. I don't think they would be successful in trying to do that, and, and there are better nations, and uh, it seems to me more far-sighted nations, including the United States and Britain and, and France and Germany, that are not taking that position. He, um, Zelensky said in his remarks at Davos, and this is very, very important, and I, if anyone disagrees and thinks this isn't true, you can give us a call, 1-800-955-1776. I think it's emphatically true. Here is uh, what Zelensky had to say about how this war could have been prevented. This is 20B. Russia started this war in 2014. We are grateful for the support, but if... If they had done it then, if they had united then and started putting pressure on their governments then, then we, we could have avoided this current situation. Okay. Again, given the fact that he invaded the Donbass originally in 2014, uh, that Putin uh, invaded it initially with uh, separatists, with the local forces, not with Russian troops, but providing and aiming and clearly directing the killing of uh, Ukrainian officials, troops, and civilians because a civil war was going on. And if he, he, the world had spoken out more clearly against the seizure of Crimea, and this is after assurances by President Yeltsin of Russia, by President Clinton of the United States, who was there at the time, that after agreements that when Ukraine gave up its own nuclear weapons, which it had, 
that when Ukraine gave those weapons up, that Ukraine's territorial integrity would be protected. And then they turn around just a few years later to seize to seize the Crimea, which is an important part of the Ukrainian territory, and the world does nothing, in effect. Yes, had the world stood up more strongly, the, the subsequent evasion, invasion with all of the, the mass slaughter and the property destruction and the horror of the thing would not have occurred. And uh, there was also this for the World Economic Forum in Davos. Last comment from President Zelensky. This is clip C. We propose that any companies leaving the Russian market come to the Ukrainian market. You can be strong when you defend freedoms, and you will see how useful it is for you. How useful it is for you in the Ukrainian market. Ukraine creates opportunities for businesses. Okay, basically saying that we're open for business despite the ongoing warfare. Um, look, it's, it's a terrific idea. McDonald's pulling out of Russia was a big deal, just like McDonald's opening up in Russia was a big deal. And it's true. Ukraine is uh, only, it's less than a third of the population of Russia. And now with all of the refugees, it's less than that. However, uh, think of what it would mean just to the worldwide prestige of, I don't know, Ikea, great Swedish company, or, or McDonald's, or any of the other companies that have pulled out of Russia to open up in Ukraine. This seems to me a remarkably positive idea. Uh, there is this final thing, and I, it's very tough to, to even know what to do with this thing or about this thing or who it helps or what it helps. The um, uh, Democrats uh, who say, according to the CBS News poll, that they want their candidates to focus on defending abortion rights. 83% of Democrats want that. And uh, Republicans, only 59% want people to focus on opposing abortion and which party do you trust more to handle the economy uh 49% democratic party 51% republican party uh this uh, race continues and the choice continues for direction we need a better direction for this greatest nation on god's green earth <laughs>